Episode 34 featuring James Bond, Kill Chain, issues two through six. episode of the Rogue Agents podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret podcast channel, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Delvin, codenamed Dark Web, and joining me as co-agents, and they're going to let me know what the most 007-like thing that they have done since last episode. We will start off Jared Albrecht, aka the Art So Artist. Known to some as Death Pro, and he is going to lead us off by letting us know what is the most 007-like thing that he has done since last episode. The weather has changed, so it's gotten colder, so I've been doing uh, more workouts out in the building instead of, you know, my usual walks and runs. And I've been doing the Billy Blanks workout DVDs from, like, the early 2000s. And I really feel like I'm Roger Moore in Man with the Golden Gun when they sent him to cry school. <laughs> Send Mr. Death Probe to school. (laughs) I have my knife hands. My form isn't great. I tried to get a couple of Asian schoolgirls to come help, but the wife, Mm. some reason, was not comfortable with that. Neither were the police, by the way. So, just a word to the wise. Been meaning to talk to you about that, Jared. You might want to find a safe house. Send Mr. Death Probe to jail. Lie low for a few minutes or so. You might be wanted for human trafficking. Moving on, we are going to talk to Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristatos, and he's going to let us know what the most Bond-like thing that he's done since last episode. Well, Devin, I am glad you asked. The most Bondian thing that I have done is over the weekend, I was able to lace my shoes up, put some climbing gear on, Got some stuff together in my backpack, started, you know, my ascent upward as best as I could out to the top of my roof. Yeah, I just went to the top of my roof uh, and I started to put out the Christmas lights. You know, it's a tricky thing because once you're up there, you don't know if you're going to slip or you're going to fall. I had the, you know, the rope tied around the chimney just in case I was able to slip. I didn't at all. There was a part where I got the roof. And all of a sudden, I and I looked and my shoelace was untied. 
Lo and behold, I was able to just hold it up with just with that tip of your, to- you know, your big toe. Just enough to hold <laughs> a lot of music yep. back there. You're going to read the story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyway, I got my shoes. The tarantula stopped. Yep. I got Dumb. my shoe tied and everything's Dumb. all right. Lights look good. Thanks. Okay. It's good. It's good to hear about a story about you putting up lights at your, your own house. It's not like you have to do that anywhere else. So, you no, know, right? Oh, no, lucky I got a help from everybody else. Yeah, you sure do. Everybody else. Moving on, Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. The Weasel Skull. Well, it's been a lot of work, but I'd be remiss if I didn't make a plug, even though they don't promote us for Amazon's 007 Road to a Million. I got hooked onto that. I've been watching that game show. Well, that's a lot of fun. I know Alan's watching it too, aren't you, Alan? You can you can admit it. I'm all in on the Bone Brothers, for those that are watching. Bone Brothers uh, rock. I'm on episode four, and I can't wait to see the rest. So people traveling the world, doing stunts, solving riddles, lots of fun. You know, I, th- I think I saw a movie once called Bone Brothers, but I'm not going to talk about it. I saw the advertisement for that commercial, and I was like, Jared's going to give me a look, but I cannot help myself. Tell me more about this show. I'd be glad to, Delvin. (laughs) So the premise of the show is you have, I believe it's nine couples, and they're sent around the world, and they're given clues. So they have to figure out the clues, go to location, find an attache case, and they're usually timed. They have to open said attache case and solve a riddle. If they solve a riddle, they get a set amount of money, which gets progressively more, but the challenges get progressively harder. For example, Bone Brothers, my favorite, don't know if I mentioned that, but they got to one, they opened up this trunk where the case is, and there's a big python in there. So they got to get the case out, and they're like, whew, got it out from that python. And so the question was, how long is this python? And there's a there's a tape measure. <laughs> so they, they actually had to get the snake out of the case and measure how long the python was in order to go to the next level. So that's an example of some of the challenges that are in this thing. And it's hosted by Brian Cox, Logan Roy himself. So, Yeah, coincidentally enough, the Bone Brothers video I watched had a pi- You know what? I'm just going to move Also hosted by Brian Cox. Well, differently, but... <laughs> I just want to remind everyone listening to this that I'm the youngest person on this show and I'm 46 years old. (laughs) We will move on to Alan J. Porter, also known as Tex, and he will regale us with the most Bond-like thing that he has done since last episode. Well, Jason, you have more stamina than I do because I was actually going to talk about watching that show today. I tried to watch it today. With the emphasis on the word tried, I lasted 20 minutes. And I gave up. I mean, oh man! I, I, I noticed at the uh, at the beginning, you know, in the, in the warning they put up at the top, it said "warning foul language." Yeah, that was me watching the show. <laughs> <laughs>
It's got nothing to do with Bond. I mean, it's a basic chase reality show, and I'm not a, I'm not the audience for those. I can't stand those. Oh, man. It's like, the, y- y'all remember The Amazing Race? Yeah, yeah. It's like The Amazing yeah. Race, but in Bond locations. with Bond Yeah, but they never actually say why. They never reference the fact that they're Bond locations. I mean, they are Bond locations. They, they shouldn't have to. We know. Yeah, but the we, general it's public It's for us, does. man. It's, but it's not. They're not them. Bond. Yeah, I wish they were Bond fans and they were Bond trivia questions and they actually explained why they're at certain places, then it would make a hell of a lot more sense. Uh-huh. But I will say the one positive, David Arnold doing the score. And the oh, yeah, that. that's good. Yeah, the music was great. But yeah, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch this. I lasted 20 minutes. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to go watch Roger Moore as a saint instead and cleanse my palate. <laughs> it was like, no, no way. So good on you, Jason, but you're on your own, kiddo. <laughs> But was that your most Bond-like thing, Alan? Yeah, yeah, it was. Something? I was going to talk about that. Oh, I was trying to watch that. Okay, show, so. okay, nice. I, it's it's cool that you two coincided with each other. And I'll finish up with mine. It's more of a funny story. Uh, I got on Monday to go to an event that had uh, a couple of the players and legends also from the Carolina Panthers. Since I live in lovely Charlotte, North Carolina, and we were on the field at Panthers Stadium at Bank of America Stadium, I should say. They divided us up in the teams and we did like various football related drills. And one of the circuits around the drill was uh, the 40 yard dash. And I'm like, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go so fast. And, and, so, <laughs> and so I got on mark and boom, started. You know, I'm feeling pretty dang good. About 30 yards. My hamstring was like, how old are you again? <laughs> Remind me? Remind me? <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, it was just—it's just a pull. It's just a small pull. It's not—it's not huge. But, you know, it's not, it wasn't like a gunshot going off. You know, just like you know, somebody may have stuck a toothpick back there. Like, eh. But I finished, and I, and I got a five point seven six for the forty, which is not bad. And now I am irrationally convinced that I can get a five second forty. I have no evidence to support that whatsoever. And I don't know if I'm ever going to actually do it. <laughs> and now you know why it's called the 40. Because you need to be under 40 <laughs> to do that. <laughs> it's like going to like the carnival. It's like you must be, you know, this old <laughs> to run the 40. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit above that 40 line. I probably shouldn't have done it, but I don't care. It was a blast. Uh, I enjoyed the whole dog on day. I had a smile on my face the whole time. And that's what it's about. And that's what we're all about, folks. This episode is the 34th episode of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we traverse the 007 universe. That could mean books. That could mean music. That could mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast but you've already heard the intro. We're talking about Kill Chain. I got a quick question for the agents that I thought of. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this is going to be one that especially the senior agents are going to immediately perk up about. Kill Chain, the comic book series, ended in some of the most awesome fight scenes that I have ever read in a comic book series. So let's bring that to the James Bond universe, shall we? The movie universe. What? Fight scene most lives rent-free in your head. Okay, Jared's pointing to himself. Joe, no, Alan? Easy, Jared's pointing to Alan. Alan. Uh, <laughs> Alan's pointing to the, it's like It's like an episode of Hollywood Squares around here. Alan, <laughs> you're off mute, sir, so... It, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Jeez, there's two that 
bring to mind both close hand-to-hand combat. The obvious one is Bond and Grant on the train in From Russia With Love. Mm-hmm. That's the original. But actually, the one I think I prefer is Bond and Peter Franks in the elevator in Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. I love the fact that when Bond goes to take the first punch, he, his elbow goes through the glass and trips the guy out, and it gets really, yeah. Best part of that movie. Nice. Nice. Jared raised his hand, so Jared, go for it. I had to take a minute to kind of flip through them. Uh, I think everybody should mention the train fight on From Russia With Love and then talk about their next favorite one. You know, the more I think of it, I really like Bond versus Alec Trevelyan at the end of GoldenEye. From the moment they start shooting at each other, and I'll I'll always remember that stuntman that does, who's, I think he's pinch hitting for Pierce. It does the forward flip down the metal staircase. Ooh, that guy earned his pay that day. Ouch. And then, then they get in close and brutal and like they're throwing chains at each other. And it's just like it's double O on double O action the way you've always wanted to see it. So I will put a, a vote in for gold and Way to hit that note. Pat still looks like he's in contemplative meditation. I'll go to Jason. Bambi and Thumper. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Both. Both. Uh, no, the one I was thinking is uh, Daniel Craig and Casino fighting the Axemen on the stairs. I thought that oh, one was God. really tight. When I saw that, that being Craig's first film, that scene, I was like, man, this action's being taken up in the fight category anyway. So that's the one that stands out to me. That was the one I was thinking of, but I might have to think of another one. But since I can host, I'm going to pass it off to Pat and see if Pat has one ready to go. There's so many of them that it's hard to choose from that uh, I was going to pick a Craig as well, too. I think it's his, you know, his first kill one. Oh, yeah. The bathroom. Yeah. yeah. That's That's good. That's a good one. But I also, you know, the other one, too, was in what, what I can't remember the other movie that it was where it was like a silhouetted fight. Skyfall. Okay. That was really cool. Yeah. So that's Pat's. And if I can't pick the one for Casino Royale, which one, because I know you guys are awesome, was Daniel Craig fighting in the train and wound up like dropping into the middle of that broken car and winds up like adjusting his cufflinks at the end of it? That's Skyfall. 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 Beginning. Beginning. Yeah. I think you're thinking. Yeah. The fight on the train was with. Batista. Not yes. I, I was, yeah. But I was talking about the one where he jumped into the train and then into the train. Plane. Okay. Yeah. 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 That mm-hmm. fight slash action scene. But well, at least you know I, I know that some of the senior agents aren't the warmest necessarily towards uh, Daniel Craig. But at least we could say that the man did put on some good scrap scenes. And of course, Sean Connery versus you know Grant on the train from Russia with Love. I, I'm shocked nobody picked a Roger Moore fright scene. I'm really shocked. That- I think the reason why is that they were all like a tie for first. Yes. <laughs> and, and we didn't want to like shame the other Bonds that came before or after him. And so we went with those instead. That was the reason why. I'm hijacking the show. What is Roger Moore's best fight scene? I got to hear it. I, I got to hear it for you guys. I mean, the one where he fought the guy on the roof and, like, had him by his tie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just watched that one recently. Yeah. Uh, no, I disagree. I think his best fight scene is Man with the Golden Gun when he fights those two guys in that close confines of that belly dancer's that dressing bad. room. That was kind of brutal, man. I mean, he was spraying guys with, like, hairspray in the face. and I mean, he was pulling out all the dirty tricks in there. 
as much as I hate Jaws, actually, the fight with Jaws at the Egyptian ruins when he's using, like, he's collapsing mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. scaffolding and oh, using yeah, yeah. the terrain, I thought that was pretty good. I was about to say it's un-American to hate Jaws, but here we yeah. are. <laughs> Your point being? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Um. <laughs> Anybody else? Roger Moore? Yeah, I, I kind of like the hockey guys fighting for your eyes only. I don't know why. I just kind of do. <laughs> Anyone else before I take my show back from from uh, Jared's hijacking? Drax's henchman, Chang. Chang. Uh, oh, yeah. In the, oh, oh, yeah. In, in, the, uh, in the glass museum. Yeah. And he yeah. goes through the, the window. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, before I jettison Jared out of the airlock. <laughs> And that's an appropriate segue, right? We are going to get to our rogue subject for this episode. We're talking about Kill Chain, y'all. James Bond 007 Kill Chain, uh, done by Dynamite Comics. We did discuss issue one. It's been a while ago. And so I was like, if, if we're going to go one by one, all of us are going to have to keep rereading it because we're going to forget because like I get a term like once every six months or so. So we said, what the heck? We're going to read Kill Chain two through six and just give an overall summary for the listening audience. The release date for Kill Chain two through six was about August 2017 through December 2017. The writer was Andy Diggle. Artist was Luca Casalanguida. The colorist was Chris Blythe, the letterer was Simon Boland, and the cover artist was Greg Smallwood. And here is a quick plot description. When a counter-espionage operation in Rotterdam goes catastrophically wrong, James Bond finds himself in the crosshairs of a plot to smash NATO. Someone is assassinating allied agents and 007 is the next target in the kill chain. Having kept the peace for decades, the old alliance is collapsing, hitting MI6 against its former ally, the CIA. Dynamite Entertainment proudly presents the return of James Bond's oldest and deadliest foe, Smirsh. And now we get to some highs and some lows of the round. I'm going to start with Jason. Jason, what do you have for a high or low for round one? I think I'll talk about the pacing of the story. This was a good, complex story with a lot of plot intricacies, good action. They managed to pace the story well over those six issues. There wasn't one issue where there wasn't some sort of really cool action moment and some really pivotal plot point. This thing had a film-type feel to it. You could almost see this being a script outline for a movie. Diggle and the art team did a really good job of laying that out and really pacing the story well over those six issues. doesn't seem like a filler issue in the bunch. It was a page-turner. Agreed. Like, the only one that kind of left me like, was that it? Was that the end? Was issue two? They were at the art museum. I was like, Flipping was like, is there more? Is there more? It's like, nope. Oh, guess, guess we got to go to three. But I don't need to talk too much. Alan does, though. Alan, what do you have for round one? I agree. It's very cinematic. Um, I actually put on social media this morning, haven't really read it. The Bond screenwriters should read this. This is the way to do the modern Bond. It was had all the Bond tropes. You've got intrigue. You've got red herrings. 
you've got great action, you've got great character pieces, you've got the sophistication of the casinos and, you know, then you've got him in a bar fighting skinheads. And then, you know, you've got Q, you've got a great femme fatale, you've got a mysterious bad guy, you've got, you know, a, a new female agent who looks very interesting. And it works towards, as you said, one of the greatest comic book fights I think I've ever seen. And then a great action sequence, which the action sequence with the two aircraft at the end. And just the way the plot unravels just makes sense. And it sort of fits with contemporary political landscape as well, which is what Bond always works well with. So yeah, for me, this was just a masterclass in how to tell a contemporary Bond story. As you can tell, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, that might be the most glowing review that I have heard you give about like anything. I'm going to move on to Pat. Pat's going to either add to that or go off on his own way. <laughs> well, exactly. I think Jason and Alan have just been building on this thing. When I started to read this, I was like, wow, why isn't this a movie? You know, I want to see this in a movie. I wasn't there the first time when you guys did issue one. So it was really nice to read it from start to finish. As I do all kind of the Bond stuff that we kind of do, I've always kind of splitting it up knowing, okay, I got a few days. So, yeah, this might take a while to read these things. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it halfway through. That's three issues. Start reading it. I was like, wait a minute. These are going pretty fast. And what's nice, too, is the art in it, too, helps tells the story along. So I was like at issue three. I'm like, man, I got to read another issue before I before I go to bed or whatever, because I want to know what's happening in this thing. and. Alan said it. This should be how they do the movies. It was all in all six issues. Could it have been a shorter one? I don't think so. I think it was, like Jason said, it was paced well enough that it kept me wanting more and more and more. And at the end, I want more. I want to know what is going to happen now. So hats off to the writing on this one and just the talented people that put this together to make it what it is. Yeah, man. I already did a little bit of talking with Jared before this, and he did not answer the question. And we can answer the question now or wait till the end of the rounds. But was there a continuation to Kill Jane? Because the way it ended, I was like, oh, my God, it's so good. Like, no, what? Hmm. I am writing Mr. Diggle a sternly worded letter. <laughs> sir, sir, I don't care what you're doing. You need to get back and finish this story. Yeah, he was clearly setting up another story arc, and yeah, he didn't get to do another one. How? Ugh. Jared. <laughs> they had to, they had to do the body. I think the body uh, was next. Yeah, the, the body was next. Yeah. Uh, Talk about the sublime. Now you made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's my turn to go to mad now. <laughs> no, hold on. Jared, Bamber and Thumpy. Bam, oh, yeah, Bam, yeah. Bambi and Thumper. There we you go. didn't have to correct. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, you did. Did, did. did it make you happier? Oh, it does, does make me happy. <laughs> okay, go ahead, round one. All right, get ready for me to go full pat and just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want here. I'm gonna be like Pat. I like the entire end of the story, and let me enumerate all the reasons. Why. <laughs> As I told Delvin, I think we were kind of glowing about it. We were kind of chatting over the last couple of days. The basically the last issue or two issues to me it's ltk bond it's timothy dalton and license to kill bond like he's full degaff does not give a flip or a fleming in this case and it was so much fun i just love off the chain bond 
And this one was particularly even more fun because in LTK, you got M going, Godspeed 007. And in this one, you got M going, go F these people up and I don't care how you do it. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is all so freaking good. So, yeah. Send those magic words, cart. Blanche. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Jason's going to allow me to run my mouth some more. He mentioned Carte Blanche, which is the name of a Bond novel. He mentioned his Swiss heritage. Like, you can tell Diggle did a little... Damn you, that was my next one. I went full pat and screwed everybody. I think there was a couple more Fleming dips in here, and I'll, I'll leave them alone so Alan can bring them up later. But I'll stick to the end. I thought was real solid. Just super good action, like I said, that LTK style. And as usual, when we do stuff like this, I do want to do a key moment that I just truly, truly loved. That I thought was very, very Bond. And it's during the big fight with the femme fatale at the end. And she's kind of whooping his butt as the plane is on fire. She says, so finally, Bond, here at the end of all hope, are you ready to die? And what does James Bond say? Mm, always. Always. Yeah. And to me, that is just... That's kind of Fleming-esque, too. Like, remember I read from For Your Eyes Only, and that was basically the same thing. Because he was like, you know, these are hard men. We're going to lose people. You might die. And Bond's response was like, what time do we leave? Or something like that. I just love it. So uh, that's my glowing. I'll stop. I could keep going, but I will stop there because other people need to talk. So far, so good. It seems like everyone has really big complimentary things to say about the story as a whole. We can continue talking about the story or we can use round two to talk about maybe some particular points in the story that stood out to you. But we'll start again with Jason and we'll see where it goes. I think it's important to note that this comic came out in the Daniel Craig era. And this comic had something in here for me that the Craig era didn't have. That's that feel that Bond is on an assignment that he is being turned loose by his boss. So a specific moment that I really love was when Bond hijacks the CIA plane to escape, M's at the restaurant with money pay, and it's like, well, if he remembers his trade craft, he'll lay low for a couple of days and then, you know, E and E out of the countryside and come back and then and then Bond shows up as his waiter. I thought that was that was wonderful. <laughs> and then to your It was an excellent touch. Totally agree. Yes, yes, thank you. And uh, I didn't do it, but <laughs> thanks for coming on that. <laughs> so having him give him that assignment, like Jared said, carte blanche, he said, and Bond, fight dirty. And boy, does he in those final scenes. And so I will pick a scene to focus on. And that was when he's captured in Turkey and is in the interrogation room. That fight is brutal. And in comic book form, I was grimacing. And there was no gimmick. There was no Q weapon that got him out of that. He just is like, F you, I'm going to rip this table out of the floor and beat all three of you to death with it. And that was some Fleming Bond right there. It's my will against the three of yours, and you are going down. Yes. And then Jared held up that picture of him walking out of that room covered with blood with two guns in his hand, ready for business. That was peak Fleming Bond. I loved it. He looked like John Wick. Mm -hmm. 
he, he was just in full battle frenzy. It was a sight to behold. Alan, go for it. I got to pick up on the Fleming Bond in the hardcover collection. There's an interview in the back with Andy Deagle when he talks about there's a great interview in the back with him talking about the fact that he deliberately ignored the movies and went back to Fleming. And in the interview, you know, he knows he's Fleming. And that comment Jared said about his Swiss heritage, there's that one line. First off, I love the fact that they didn't translate any of the, the German or the French. You didn't have to actually know exactly what the words were because you could tell the sentiment, what was being conveyed by the artwork around it. I thought that was brilliant. But when mm-hmm. he's talking French mm-hmm. and then the French agent says, you speak excellent French, but with a Swiss accent. And I thought, okay, that is superb. That's a deep cut Fleming cut that I've never heard or read, never been mentioned in the movies that he'd speak French with a Swiss accent. Never heard another continuation author do that. But when you think about it, it's logical and it's obvious, but nobody else has called it out. I just thought it was such a great touch that showed that Andy Diggle really knows his Fleming. And then I think what we got out of this to the point that you guys were just making about the, you know, are you ready to die always line. That's Bond. This book you understand why Bond does what he does from this book. You know, he's constantly being challenged on, you know, why do you support this regime? Things are changing. Why are you doing it? And you get it from this book as to who he is and why he does what he does. And I think that is a real indication of how well Andy Diggle really understands Fleming's Bond, not the movie Bond, but Fleming's Bond, but then gives us, to my mind, the most cinematic Bond we've had for decades. I'll shut up because <laughs> I could just keep going on and on about this book. So, you know, Pat, I feel so much bad that now you have to you follow always, that. Yeah, I always have to follow Alan. But it, Alan makes a good point that it just came to my mind when he was talking. I'm like, you are totally right, Alan. Coming from me, a novice at Bond, having gone through all the movies, and now that we started to dabble into the books, the Fleming books themselves. I am getting more of Bond and it's him for his country, for his service, all that he's willing to do it. I get that more out of the novels that I've read than what I have watching the movies, so to say. You know, you can really tell that the Fleming Bond is all about the service, what he has to do for his country. And he's willing to, again, die for it because he's trained and that's what he believes and that's what he supports. So I really think. This is a good meld of the two together and the grittiness as well. Uh, Jason was saying, man, some gritty fights. The fight layouts were, were pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I still like the way Mustafa did in the layouts and all that. Man, if you could get a little bit of that in this, definitely. But I think the art style made it even feel more grittier in this. And um, you're talking about the Ibrahim Mustafa's Ibrahim, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, which was another good one and good fight scene as well. But I also had a question. In here, when he's getting to be tortured, they say cut off his trigger finger. And it shows him getting ready to cut off his left finger, not his right finger. And because then later on, he shows him, once he starts shooting, you know, like, bam, and gets the gun again. And he's firing with his right hand. So, I didn't know. I'm like, wait a minute. Is Bond left-handed or is he right-handed? I think they just got confused. They're like, let's just grab a finger and start cutting. Yeah. I mean, I kind of figured that, but I was like, well, you know, I'm like, well, he said trigger finger and then he's yeah 
the no, that's a really, really good They're point. both trigger fingers. That's right. Yeah, you saw yeah, yeah I'm sure he's yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm willing to accept that as a no prize. Pat, did you have uh, anything else, sir? Let somebody else talk, and if I remember my thought, we'll come back to it. Maybe someone else will <clears throat> trigger your thought. And with that awesome, wonderful pun, we will pass it to Jared. <laughs> All right. I'll do my uh, my picadillos. I'll do a couple of lows, but I'll bring it back to a high at the end. And my lows are somewhat laughable. I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of contemporary politics and comics. That's, that Everybody knows that that listens to this. And I was like, oh, here, got that sort of that era of politics and I'm in an unenviable position now because I'm about to defend uh, using white supremacists <laughs> in a book. But it, to me, it's going to always be sort of of that era. You know how like if you get a book from like, let's say 2002 to 2010, it's going to be a lot of Middle Eastern villains, right? <laughs> and in this era, they seem to lean heavily on the white supremacist thing. And I was like, eh, okay, I kind of wish they didn't do that. And I wish they didn't put the politics, the time in it because it just dates it, right? And then I realized I'm a total hypocrite because that's pretty much what they did in every movie that I've watched and loved. I just didn't realize it because it came out most, you know, all the ones I watched from before I was born. Right? So I will give myself the hypocrite award of that and I will let that slide. You know me. I just don't like modern politics. I, I like escapism. But if I'm honest with myself, it's kind of always been in the bomb formula. So I'm going to let that go. The next thing I have to pick on is even stupider. But Jet Fuel. I know Delvin knows the answer, and Pat, and just about everybody here knows the answer to this. It is really hard to set on fire. Like, you can put matches out in jet fuel, and it's not going to strike up. But then you wouldn't get James Bond fighting with the big villainess in a plane that's on fire, right? So I'm going to let that one go, too. So those were my only picadillos. I'll be the guy who found a couple of nitpicks, and I fully admit they're both kind of silly. With that out of the way... We've covered a lot of really cool stuff in here about the story. And I mean, again, I don't want to act like I'm defending the neo-Nazis. I love the part when he went to the bar and just beat the crap out of everybody <laughs> in, in such a very proper British way, too. But that all comes back to Casa Lunguida. His art style is incredible. He's one of these guys that just as an, as an artist myself, I hesitate to even call myself that when I talk about him. He's in the same league as a guy like Tim Sale or Chris Samney. It's a lot with a little. It's very few lines. And it, as a fellow quote unquote artist, it just, he has to die and I have to kill him, I think, because you look at it and you go, well, I could do that. And then you try it and you realize you can't. And it's just infuriating at how good he is with how little. Just flip to the part where it's revealed that Bond is the waiter. And look at the very few lines and the very limited ink work. And it's such a boom, powerful moment. And I got to give credit to the colorist. Chris Blythe really enhances this. This book looks good. And it's in that art style that is very unique. It's very simple. It's very clean. There's a lot of silhouette action. It's just, it's incredible. So I, I told you guys I would pick it up after my stupid little picadillos. And that is my pickup right there can i ask you air force guys a question because i thought i had a picadillo but because like the c-130 to my knowledge isn't used for air-to-air refueling it's not a c-130 it's an a-400m no i do i do i do british guy was gonna pop up do they use the a-400m for 
Uh, no, as, as, as an ex-Airbus guy myself anyway, yeah, there's uh, there's a few technical errors with the AWACS A400M. Right. Scene, that was but, like, I don't but I just got pulled that. right into it. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, I did too. I let it wash over yeah. me. Uh, yeah. And I was like, technically, the fuel probably would not catch on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's what got yeah, me and, thinking and, about And it. actually, they're not just built in Britain. They're actually built in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay. It looked like a C-130. <laughs> Y'all stole it from us. It doesn't look like a C-130. It does. It, it kind of does. I thought it was a C-130 first, too, Jason, until they mentioned something about it being now, okay. That is not a C-130. Come Listen, on. It's not I've jumped like out a C-130. of a C-130. <laughs> it looks like a C-130 to me. I have at least twisting through the air the looking at it upside down. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Everybody calm down. <laughs> no, so, I, now help- that I look at it, you're right. You're right. Please help clarify, Alan. So it's a British plane constructed in France? or is it- it, It's an Airbus project, so it's multinational. Multinational. Okay. The, wing, the wings are designed and built in the UK. Sounds good. All right, I, learned I think cool. it's assembled in France, but it's got German and Spanish parts. And yeah, it, it's it's a global project, but it's an Airbus. A lot of metric tools involved. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to add to your point, uh, Jared, was I do, of course, you know, 2017. Yeah, I know the politics at the time. But what I like about it was that, I mean, you already excuse it, but I, I guess I'm giving it another excuse. It added to the story. I thought it was very intelligently done to where they're like, the American stance was, we're taking care of our own. We're not really worried about you right now, England. We're taking care of ours. And it added to that level of suspicion, which, and I'll bring up also, or one thing that I enjoyed so much about it was Felix Leiter played a prominent oh, role. That was and, the part I was going to bring up. Yep. Yeah, that was the yeah, part like, I was going to bring up. Yeah, uh, he was so dynamic. I mean, not only was he like in, in the German bar, you know, doing that whole thing. And then he had a moment where basically he was the one that saved Bond from the trap in the hotel, basically took his fat out of the fire, but he was angry at him. And it's like, are you a traitor? Did you turn your back on me? And that's when the whole thing really started to open up. And it was like, whoa. So Felix Leiter played an enormous part in it. I did at least appreciate, you know, there weren't any huge or heavy names or anything put in there as far as politically. It was just kind of the the political climate of the time. And I thought it was very intelligently done, at least. And I want to add one more thing. The fight at the end, uh, Rika straight up was going to kick James Bond's butt, like straight up. And I thought that that was kind of, you know, empowering. Like there's a term that I see thrown about all the time. Like anytime that a female character or whatever is powerful and it's called Mary Sue and how they're powerful for no reason, whatever. It's like they established her very well in issue one as being a very capable spy. And not only that, but even though it wound up, you know, sort of being sexual interplay back and forth, she beat him (laughs) in issue one in a fight and said, I get to be on top. And then she was going to beat him in issue six. But it turned out that Bond, of course, just being, I mean, at that point, he had escaped that Turkish prison, had to hide in a wheel well. He had to take out, what, four or five different dudes. The man had to be absolutely on his last leg and still had the resources and the wherewithal to destroy the plane and to 
have Rika get jettisoned out of the airlock, but survive himself. So all of that speaks to James Bond's, you know, overall mystique and his battle prowess. With all that experience. Can be an experience. (laughs) With all that said, is there any other comments from anyone else before we move on? Jared. I got one. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the Felix lighter, and I want to I want to hit that very Bond note there because Felix got very mad at him after he you know saved his bacon. He had him in the room, and then Bond just called him on. He's like, "The only reason I'm here is so you can look me in the eye. Now tell me I'm lying." And Felix <laughs> is like, "Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> you know, we've been through too much. I believe you. You knew he did. You knew he believed him from the get. Yeah." Uh, but he just needed to hear it and he needed to see it. And I like that. Alan. So I actually got two things. One, the Felix, just going on Felix. I love the bit in the bar when he recognized Felix and basically laid out his game plan with a sh- few short sentences to Felix. So Felix knew what he was going to do, but the other guys around him didn't. I thought that was really cool. Actually, I have a general note about the Dynamite series in general. It was sort of brought to, to mind by this. This is great. I love the others. I want to know why Q has not had his own one-shot special. <laughs> I want to know Q's backstory. In fact, hell, I want to write Q's backstory. So Nick, the editor at uh, Dynamite, if you're listening to this, give me a call because I would love to write the one-shot that tells Q's backstory because he was clearly a sniper at some point. Certainly, I think, a wet works asset at some point plus a techie guy. I think there's a great story to be told there. M's had a backstory told. Money Penny's had a backstory told. We need Q's story told, Dynamite Comics, and I would love to do it. So. I think that's a great idea, Alan, and I also think that you know Q should probably be like a relatively young guy. And Here you know, we like, go. Here like we probably go. Like somewhere around the age of maybe about like, <laughs> no older than 27 years old. I know what right? you're doing. You know, just, Huh? I know what you're doing. It's, it's not going to work. You're not going to fire me up on this. I like this book too much for you to fire me up with some of that millennial cube. <laughs> while we're on the subject. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right, y'all. Let me go to some quick fun facts. A newer, darker era is just around the corner for Bond, James Bond. Dynamite Entertainment has announced that a brand new James Bond comic book series is set to hit the shelves early next year with none other than Garth Ennis writing the upcoming adventures for 007. That was announced in October for this year. I don't know if anyone knew that or not, but if you didn't, now you do. It looks like it's coming out early next year. Garth Ennis is going to be pinning it, and so you might want to do some Googling and Go to your local comic book shop and uh, maybe get a hold of that one. Uh, yes, Alan, I did look into James Bond lexicon and noted that Kill Chain was absolutely in there to include the bar that Bond visited in Germany. Just wanted to say that. And last but not least, I went to Goodreads.com. The average rating for this series out of five stars was a 3.88, with the majority of the raters rating the book a four out of five. That's that's Sean Connery. It's a fool. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, though, it is time to get to the ratings for the rest of the series. As a reminder of the rating system, seven martinis means that you loved it. It shook your martini, as one should do with a martini. Six is excellent. 
Five is very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It's third, your martini, as one should ever do with a martini. We're going to start with Jared. Jared, Kill Chain, two through six. What would you rate it? Uh, Man, I feel like this is top tier dynamite. This hammerhead solstice. Let's go with the seven. This one needs to be in my collection. You know, all my stupid small picadillos aside, that off the chain, very Timothy Dalton-esque bond at the end. You know, that's where my heart lives. So I'm going all in, boys. Like, look, I've already mentioned that war face that he put on, but you're right. And I think Jared and I talked about this before. If you're picturing a bond like that, maybe Connery, but Timothy Dalton's face might be the one, you know, wolf hair and all. After he had just got finished, you know, offing three or four people in just the most brutal fashion, it's probably going to be Timmy D there. Let's go to Alan. Alan, what would you rate the kill chain two through six? Well, you know, after the way I've talked about it, it's going to be a one. (laughs) (laughs) Do not recommend. (laughs) No, it's a seven right out of the box. No argument. I would watch this movie happily. Yeah. I would watch this movie over and over again. Yeah, Jason, Jason, what would you rate Kill Chain 2 through 6? Yeah, I had the individual issues of this. And so I, I know I've read them before. And I think I'm doing it wrong because you really kind of need to read these in one setting. I think I really gained a greater appreciation of this series having sat down and read it in preparation for this show. It's a 7 for me. You know, you can be your own man here. There is no pressure whatsoever. But the floor is yours as to what you're going to rate Kill Chain 2 through 6. Well, you know, because I am my own man, I read 1 through 6. Not 2 through 6 like some guys did. I read Mm. 1 through 6 just Mm. because that's what men do. They read, you know, and they read from the beginning to the end. That's true. And, you know, like everybody else, this is definitely a 7. This should either have been a movie or it keeps saying it. I make an animation of this. Anybody can do it. You've got great artists that can do stuff like this. Make an animation. Dalton to do the voice. Yeah. You can still have bond voices and just have those characters. Those voices live on in another medium. This is the great example of doing it. This would be a comic I would give or I'd give the whole series, you know, Read these six issues to somebody who wants to know a little bit more about Bonnie, and this will give you a good taste of the mix between Fleming and the movies. This is it. You're right, Pat. Take that Amazon money, animate this instead of a stupid reality show. Because <laughs> <laughs> Bezos, he can do the reality show and the animation. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, he you, can do whatever you, he wants. You can, you can basically Drax. You can have your bone brothers and your bone breaking. Yeah, you see what I did there? Uh, that was that was somewhat clever. You know, I give myself a four on that <laughs> seven on the clever scale for Kill Chain. I I went back and read the whole thing too. Like while this is technically two uh, through six, I, I had to go back and read. Who, who guys? Like, no, I, I did it. Agree. I did it too. 
I'm sure we all did, yeah. All cool guys. We, all right, we, all, all right. we all did it. And my first thought, like, coming in was, like, six, even six and a half. And, like, not only hearing what you guys had to say, but one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet, I mean, we did talk about Luca and his artwork and the simplicity of it. What I personally love is anytime that there are fight scenes and they are realistic and intelligently done, particularly when there are human beings fighting as opposed to superheroes. When it comes to superheroes, you can have liberties. You can't have liberties with James Bond. And one of the things that I absolutely geeked out about with Ibrahim Mustafa is that there was a period where the bad guy whose name I'm blanking on right now, like put James Bond in, or he was about to get him in a belly down, rear naked choke. He would have been gone. You're not recovering from that. And he just intelligently crafted that whole fight scene. Luca deserves, if Abraham's a 10, I think Luca is probably like a nine. And if I had to do the death, was like nine, six, nine, seven. It, he's creeping up there. He's right there. And that plus the storyline that was, for me, that slow burn that just turned into just the biggest explosion possible, jet fuel or no jet fuel. I don't have any problem giving it a seven whatsoever. Kill Chain was fantastic. It was a pleasant surprise. A quick read, and I absolutely enjoyed the entire thing. Fun fact about Luca, he lives on the, on the second floor. Second. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter X page at ohmspod. If you'd like, you can even use the email as a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment, and we might even play it on the show. Please try to keep your audio file to around 30 seconds or less. And we would love to hear from you and make you a part of the show. Also, if you're an Apple podcast listener, we greatly appreciate it if you left the review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank the team for joining me on this episode. And before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the Internet. Alan. Thank you, Delvin. So you can find me for James Bond stuff on Twitter X at Bond Lexicon or at uh, James Bond Lexicon on Tumblr and Instagram. And of course, there is the JamesBondLexicon.online website, which is a companion website to the previously referred to James Bond Lexicon book available at all good online retailers. Absolutely. Got mine from Amazon, just in case you wanted to know. Jared, keep going. All right. First of all, you need to know that about four years ago, I wrote a book called The James Bond Lexicon. I gave it to Alan to proofread. Never saw it again. Uh, you can find me at Yard Sale Artist, uh, X and Facebook and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I've been meaning to talk to you about that, Jared. You might want to lay low and get yourself an attorney. Um, <laughs> Alan might be wanted for libel or, or, or copyright infringement or something. Uh, Pat, what about you? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter X at Christatos01. Jason? You can find me at Jason Albrick on Instagram and threads. 
And you can find me on Twitter X, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977, Instagram at Delvin Ray. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Again, Delvin, I am so glad that you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all out there, everywhere there's social media. You could probably find us even out on the blue sky. We're out there hanging out. So come and find us, subscribe to it, like us, tweet us, chat us, do whatever out there and get to know us a little bit better. Thank you, Pat. And thank you to the fellows for taking us on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or comment on this or any other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter X at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jason's choice, but on a Majesty Secret podcast, we'll return. This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whittler. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. <laughs> all right. It, all right it's, 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 shut up. It's, it's my show, by the way, Jared. It's mine. I'll so go on mute. Guess I should take charge of it. Everybody muted. Pat's been muted. Pat never went unmuted. His mute discipline is immaculate. Hopefully the script I cobbled together is going to yeah, work you, out. Delvin, thank you. <laughs> yep, yeah, thanks. Oh, boy. I'm good on my mute. Uh, you, you were good on the mute. I'm good on mute, too. I'm better than Pat, I think. <laughs> you can't be better than Pat if I'm here. Yeah, you know, I think he's good on his mute discipline. <laughs> I, you know what? You're good at mute, too, Pat. But I was Pat. the best because I waited till last to speak, um. so... I lasted that's what the you longest. <laughs> oh, I forgot Alan was here. Alan, I, I salute you, oh, sir. You are boy. the best on you. Uh, <laughs> all of you. One out of seven. Stirring my martini. Yes, Jared, we have the same one. Um, Pretty sure I bought it first. Yeah, I'm sure you did. You can cut this out, Delvin, but at some point I'll actually tell you guys a horrible story about mixing up metric and imperial tools in on aircraft maintenance. <laughs> I, I, I got to know, so outtakes, well, I guess. He's like that. <laughs> okay, so back in mid-80s, yeah, when I was working there, um, a co-pilot got sucked out of the window of a BAC-111 on taking off from uh, British uh, from London Heathrow. And he was actually caught by his ankles by the co-pilot. 
Um, and then they landed the plane and because um, the co-pilot basically handed over his ankles to the flight attendant so she could hang on to him while the co-pilot landed the plane. Um, and when they did all the stuff, what they basically found out, because British Air, Airways at that point had a mix of a older British aircraft and Airbus aircraft and Boeings, that somebody had put a metric screw, a bunch of metric screws in this parts bin where there should be imperial screws. And they were the same size, but I don't know if you know, but actually the, the V between is actually at a different angle on imperial and metric screws. So the air got underneath the screws as they took oh, off nice. and it basically unwound the screws and the window doors are and sucked the pilot out. My goodness. Oh. So there would have been 100 milliliters the... of urine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mix up imperial and metric pots <laughs> on your airplanes. It's uh, not good. You think when the flight attendant was holding his ankles, she was like, do you want the peanuts or the crackers? <laughs> Cup of tea or coffee, boss. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. All right. Now, before I leave that joke in, did dude survive? Because if he didn't survive, I'll leave the joke out. <laughs> Yeah, he did. You, there's a, you can see on, there's a video you can see over the images of him sort of hanging out there. Yeah. He oh, was pretty, goodness. pretty badly banged up. So yeah, you can cut this back out, Delvin. Yeah. That's all right. Cause I'm going to add on to it. Cause Bond ended up in that wheel well. And I had just watched the amazing but true story of the guy who escaped Cuba in the wheel well. And it flew all the way to Spain and he froze to death. And they thought I, he I, was I, dead when he got there. He thawed out and woke up. I love what? that. What? <laughs> wow. I actually did love that in here because I am so fed up of the flipping movie trope of somebody running up to an airplane that's taken off, jumping into the wheel well, and then they can get into the fuselage. Those wheel wells are sealed. That's right. You ain't getting You got to freeze. Everything else is pressurized. You open that door, bang. (laughs) So you cannot get from a wheel well into the fuselage of an aircraft. And every time they do that in a movie, it drives me nuts. I'll get off that soapbox now. We'll bring so, no, I really it. love the fact that Bond tried it and it's like, oh, the door's locked. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bringing it back to the comic. I thought that was really cool how he couldn't get out of there. And so he had to he had to use his wits and set yeah, off yeah, the alarm he had to get to, them to, open, the to open it up for him. Yeah, 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 that was great. One sec. Well, yeah, one second, guys. Sorry. Uh, message. Yeah, so this dude escaped Cuba in the wheel of a plane that flew away to Spain. They found his frozen dead body in there, brought it out, thought out, and that dude woke up. It was like that making a Spain. What? He's like walking around alive today. I said it was like uh, William Shatner does a show on Netflix. It's kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not. I can't remember what it's called, but it's in that vein. Like true oh, stories are just incredible. And I watched it. I was like, that is nuts. Frozen to death. Thought out. Thought out, woke up, perfectly fine. <laughs> Like what? You know, you you have to grant him citizenship, right? Like that, that's just automatic. Like, okay, you win, you win. <laughs> now I'm supposed to figure out where the hell we were.